This is USA Takedown, the best guess. All the hot news and predictions on combat sports of wrestling and MMA with your host, the true American, Scott Casper. Connect with him now on social media and check out usatakedown.com. Now, it's time for USA Takedown. Hello again, everybody. It is USA Takedown. I'm Scott Casper, talking to you from the Wild Rose Casino Studios here in Des Moines, Iowa. A uh, big program on tap for you. One of the things, well, the primary topic of this particular two hours will be the rise of women's wrestling. We'll talk with uh, Gary Abbott of USA Wrestling. He'll be joining us live from uh, the uh, Lehigh Valley where he's attending the memorial to uh, a great friend of ours and a great friend of wrestling, the late, great Greg Strobel. So Gary will be joining us. Tamira, excuse me. Tamira Mensa Stock. It's it's a tricky name, and I've gotten it every single other way than the right way for a long time. Well, Tamira is going to be joining us. She was so um, well loved as she wrapped herself in the American flag, winning the Olympic gold medal, and uh, literally just loving on America and the experience. She's going to be joining us, telling us why she loves America so much. And she'll also probably tell us a little bit about her mother's food truck story. I think that is very endearing uh, where the community got behind this effort to get her mother a food truck. I understand it's going to be delivered, I think, in October. But uh, either way, there's a business on wheels that'll be there because the wrestling community cared so much. Afsoon Johnson, Coach Johnson, will be joining us today. And she's going to be moving her son uh, into school. So we're going to catch her between towns, she will literally be on the road with her son to move him into college. Lauren Louise is going to be joining us. She is one of those women that makes you want to believe. See what I did there? Lauren Louise. Yeah. Okay. She'll be joining us. <laughs> but we start the program with the head coach of uh, USA Women's Wrestling and a guy that's really had this whole plan all along is Terry Steiner. He joins us now. Terry, good morning from the Defense Hope Newsmaker Hotline. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, Scott. How are you doing? I'm good. I, I love the opportunity to be able to salute what you've been doing all these many years, but really, it, I, I didn't think it could get any better, and yet, again, it does. Talk to us a little bit about the Tokyo Olympics, and then I also want to address the uh, Junior Worlds as well. So the the Tokyo Olympics... Uh, we had a lot of writing out there, a lot of hopes and dreams. And I don't know that many of us saw Tamira uh, and her hunt for Olympic gold. Perhaps we placed too much emphasis on Adeline Gray. But uh, overall, I thought the U.S. women's program looked really, really good in Japan. Your thoughts? Well, well, we just got, I mean, anytime you walk away from the Olympic Games with four medals um, out of six, Attempts. I mean, you you got to be pretty happy with that. Uh, we, we did, you know, we did have a few slip ups. You know, I, I thought that uh, we were capable of even more than that. But but um, uh, it was a great event and a great great event to be a part of. And the U.S. women, you know, they not only performed well on the mat, they maybe performed better off the mat. And how they handled themselves and how they handled this represented this country and and the organization and, and the sport of women. Was just amazing and uh, very proud to uh, be a part of it. 
when an event like this, so monumental, by the way, the event like this, the Olympic Games, uh, takes place after the Games, do you go back and watch each match again to an, um, pr- provide some analysis of what took place and, and how to improve? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of it. You know, during, during the match itself, you, you know, you see things, but you miss a lot of things, too. When you go back and break down film and start thinking about the future and how to improve, uh, you have to go back to those matches and really look at it and, and look at those matches and, and look at the fine details of it, right? So there's always things to learn, no matter if we're winning or losing. There's always things to get better at and, and improve on. But but I do want to celebrate the girls that, that they did an outstanding job and, and very proud of them and, and just how they competed. I, I loved how they went out and competed, and, and that was outstanding. You know, I think w- uh, women's wrestling as a whole, uh, not just stateside but around the world, is uh, it's the dawning of a new age, I think. We're seeing younger and younger uh, women uh, wrestling for Team USA or at least the opportunity to do so. But what I think we're seeing is the very byproduct of these states, uh, like Minnesota, Nebraska, et cetera, that are adding... Uh, women's high school wrestling events uh, and championships. Would you say that's true? I mean, the feeder system seems to be growing and growing and growing each and every day. Yeah, no, it is. You know, I mean, that's the one thing even even COVID couldn't stop, right? I mean, right. We, we added, I think, four states during the, the pandemic. We've added the college programs. Uh, our numbers continue to grow. I just, you know, we just had our board meeting at USA Wrestling this past weekend, and they, in the last two years, our numbers have grown by 71%. Holy cow. That's amazing, right? And, and so I don't see it stopping anytime soon. We're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to move forward. And it really is just truly a great time to be a part of the women's program. Coach Terry Steiner, our guest on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. This program is brought to you in part by our friends at here.com. Here.com forward slash Casper. Great hearing devices and, of course, an outstanding experience in terms of customer service. Terry, um, it, it, you know, it seems like we roll out of the Olympic games and we go right into the junior worlds, right? And team USA did an outstanding job. there. some of the, uh, uh, athletes that did well, include Emily Shielson, Amit Elor, and, uh, Kylie Walker, all winning gold on Thursday at, uh, in Ufa, Russia. Talk to us about yeah. the young, uh, the young crop of wrestlers because they are outstanding. Yeah, well, it's funny you mention that because I'm watching it as we're talking. Uh, Karina <laughs> Blades just just won the bronze medal, um, and and beat uh, a girl from Norway eleven to one. Uh, it puts the U.S. ahead in team points. We still have two more wrestlers to wrestle. We're in a tight team race with India and Russia right now, um, but. Um, it's awesome to be a part of, you know, in July, the U.S. cadet women won the world championship. Uh, we had a, a great Olympic Games. Now the junior women are leading in the, in the junior world championship. Um, and it's time, right? It's time. Uh, it's time for the U.S. to step up and, and start taking over, right? And, and, and that's what we're hoping to do. And we have the senior world championships coming up, which seems close to everyone, right? I mean, right. It's close it's for everyone around the world, 
thinking, why why are we having a world championships two months after the Olympic Games? But that's the schedule that was put forward, and it's the same for everyone. And and so I'm happy to announce here, I guess, that that all all four of our medalists are are registered to compete at the Olymp- uh, at the world championships in Oslo. And all six of them, two of them have to, if they want a medalist, they have to earn their spot back on the team. And so those those uh, trials will be held September 11th and 12th in Lincoln, Nebraska. But, um, you know, we're looking to go into the world championships and, and hopefully do the same thing that our cadets and juniors have been doing through the summer and, and see if we can make a run at uh, world championships in 2021. Well, it's, it, you know, People ask that question about the Worlds. Why are they so close to the Olympic Games? And a lot of it has to do with the fact that they moved the Olympic Games a whole year. So we wouldn't be running up. We wouldn't even have that conversation if COVID had not uh, made change uh, and a positive change, I think. Because what we're seeing right now is the U.S. women on a roll. And uh, and I love this. I absolutely, re- you know, I remember talking to uh, the then head coach of Rutgers, John Sachi. And I said, I, I said, we've got to get behind women's wrestling. He said, women's wrestling will kill men's wrestling. In fact, what it's done is exactly the opposite. As women continue to incline, in other words, in, in uh, probability, wrestling style, everything, uh, as women continue to incline, men's wrestling is being brought back into the, into the picture in a bigger way. We're seeing programs added at some smaller colleges for sure, uh, when they add a, a men's program and a women's program at the same time, that spells success. And, and, and I can't tell you how many young women are wrestling now because they see an opportunity to do even better. I mean, this is the biggest payout for U- U.S. women uh, of all time, right? Yeah, there's no doubt. And, and Scott, back to your point about, you know, is, is women's wrestling going to hurt men's wrestling? And, and really, it can only help it. It can only right. enhance the sport of wrestling totally, right? We're inviting another half the population into the sport of wrestling. Right. And I think you saw it this summer with our elite team and, and the work they did together, right? Working side by side of each other and feeding off of each other and gaining momentum, momentum from one another. It was a, it was a beautiful thing to see. And, and, if, and if, uh, the rest of our country can't see that. Um, that that there is a space for women in this sport. There's a space for men in this sport. And together, it just makes a better sport. It enhances our sport. And it draws more people into our sport and gives our sport more attention. And and um, that's really what we need. And so uh, I'm, I'm happy that some people are starting to see that. But we, like, you, like you're saying, we, we have work to do yet. You right? We, we still have to be pushing forward and... And hey, I'm I'm a wrestling fan number one. Right? I'm a <laughs> yeah, you are. Guy. I just I just happen to be the women's national team coach, right? And and regardless of men's wrestling or women's wrestling, let's get out there and support the sport of wrestling because we know the value it has on young people in our country. Big time. And and that's that that's the the, the bottom line, right? Is this sport has so much value in bringing up and raising up young kids mm-hmm. and teaching them life values. Uh, why wouldn't we want to have this as a part of our education? We, uh, we had uh, Rich Bender on last week, and uh, we talked to him about the rise of wrestling. 
and when we were back on our heels and the United, excuse me, the international Olympic committee said, Hey, we're, we're, we're dropping wrestling. You know, from that point to today, wrestling has done a, a, an amazing about face in terms of the effort being put forward, the athletes that are being provided. And then the athletes have an opportunity to win literally what, what did we pay out this, this Olympic trial or the Olympic run? I think it was 950,000 bucks. Prior to that, the biggest payout was $500,000. So I think it was five, maybe five forty. Yeah. But the, 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 the point is, there is a reward now for doing well. There's a reward for sticking through an Olympic cycle and maybe even two or three, as, as we're seeing. I want you to talk to us a little bit about the 76-kilo wrestler in Kylie Welker. I want to read these scores out for our listeners. She wins over Bipasha from, from India, 10-0. She defeats the Belarusian uh, with a pin at a minute five. Then she be- defeats the Russian, 11-0. That's uh, Selena. And then Kuhn from Germany, she defeats Kuhn, 10-0. In other words, that gold medal run, as improbable as it could be because they're facing literally, or she was facing some of the greats at 76 kilos. But she walked through the competition on her way to gold medal. She's a very special athlete. Can you talk to us about her? Well, she is, you know, and, you know, the thing about Kylie is that she's put herself in some great environments, right? I mean, she, I don't know if people know this, but she spent a year at the Olympic Training Center alongside Chimera Mensa and Adeline Gray. And, and, you know, it wasn't an easy year for her. Right? right, but it was a growing year, and, and she gained a lot from that experience, and and I think that's that's what we're seeing right now with this junior team is we have the likes of Kylie Welker, we have Amiti Lore, we have Kennedy Blades, and you know they they have heroes in front of them right now that that they're chasing and they're pushing, and they want to be like them, and you know that that's why it's so important for us to have success at the highest level because we we put heroes in front of our younger our next generation of athletes. And, and, you know, whenever that changeover happens, whenever the Adeline Gray steps on and moves on into life and, and life off the wrestling mat or, or Tamara Mensa moves on to life off the wrestling mat, we should be a country that fills those shoes, you know, um, right away, right? And we don't miss a beat. And, and that's, that's part of being... Um, a part of a, a great program and, and just a dynasty, right? right and that's right. what we want to build. That's what that's what we can build with the numbers we have coming and the opportunities that we have for girls in the sport in this country. Um, I'm hoping we're seeing more and more and more of that. But, you know, based on what we've seen this summer with our cadet team and now our junior team, um, the future is, is very bright for us. Right. But, but I, the world isn't slowing down either, so <laughs> yeah, not, we can't rest on our laurels, right? We have to keep moving forward and keep pushing and keep getting better every day and keep right, making the right decisions every day, and that's how success happens. Terry Steiner, our guest on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. We are talking women's wrestling primarily on this particular episode, and there's a reason why, because we're seeing greatness uh, unfold before our very eyes, not just at the Olympic Games, not at just at the Junior Worlds, but in terms of the rise of women's wrestling, women's wrestling is the fastest growing sport on the uh, high school front, also on the collegiate front. And there's a reason why, because opportunities are now being afforded to these women that weren't there before. 
And it's about time, by the way. NCAA still has wrestling as an emerging sport for women. I believe that will change shortly, especially because so much publicity is being given to women in the world of sport, in particular wrestling, uh, than ever before. And I'm grateful for that. I truly am. Uh, Terry, talk to us a little bit about your staff, because um, you don't get to coach everybody all by yourself. For sure not. I mean, there's so many people involved in this, but I, I do want to give kudos to to my staff at USA Wrestling. I mean, Clarissa Chun, Clarissa was a uh, world champion for us, an Olympic bronze medalist in London in 2012, and has just developed into an, an unbelievable coach. And, and you know, the work that she does with our, our senior national team um, is just outstanding, you know. I mean, you know, she just communicates in a way to them that that they really understand and respect, you know. And she's been there; she's done what they want to do, and and so um, it's just, she's just a great addition, you know. And and um, I can't say enough about uh, what she brings to the program, the energy she brings. She still gets, you know, she's on the mat every day with them. Um, you know, I mean, you know, if you look at Sarah Hildebrandt and Jakara Winchester, Helen Maroulis, I mean, she, her fingerprints are all over them, right? Literally, oh. like every day in practice, she's on the mat with them and, and, and working with them and moving them forward. And and um, so, you know, she's just done an outstanding job. And then Coach Jessica Medina, who is a couple-time world team member for us at Team USA, um, you know, she's stepped into this role of development coach and you know wow she's just that's a big know, job her personality and her leadership qualities are, are so good and it shows i mean this year we won the first ever first ever cadet world team title and now we're on the verge um you know literally in the next half hour we're going to know if we win the junior world championships but regardless of that uh, we have um, now secured five world medals, you know, three world titles, another one in the finals today. Uh, Karina Blades, Kennedy Blades' sister, just won the bronze medal, and, and we have another bronze medal coming in. Alara Boyd uh, is coming up next match, actually. So just the the leadership that Jessica is showing and, and moving both of these programs forward is just outstanding. And, you know, we, we've done a lot of work uh, through the years to develop that right it right. takes resources and it takes a lot a lot of financial resources to to move that forward and we've had some unbelievable donors to the program that kind of saw the vision and 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 understood that they wanted to get be, get ahead of the game and get behind this program before we were on top and we're so thankful for them and yep. and um you know but putting everything together, that our, our coach, you know, our coaches, Jessica, Coach Jessica Medina and Coach Clarissa Chun, um, are just two outstanding individuals and great leaders of these women moving forward. I love it, Terry. And we are up against the clock, but do me a favor, ask uh, Clarissa to give me a jingle, would you? I'd like to get her on I the will show. Do that. I think the world of her, and I know you do too. For sure. And I think the world of you. Heck, Terry, we've been friends for a long time, and you've stood by yeah. women's wrestling since the very beginning. And I love that about you. Uh, just doing an outstanding job for Team USA. Uh, it's always good to talk to you, brother. I appreciate the time. Yeah. Now get back to watching your team do it again. Sure. Okay? I, I, I haven't missed a beat while we've been talking. <laughs> you're, 
multitasking. I love that. All right, Terry Steiner, thank you so much. God bless you, Coach, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Okay, thank you very much. You bet. There he goes. That's the guy that's literally believed in this effort since the very beginning, taking that job. A lot of people were scratching their head from the University of Iowa. Terry Steiner goes out and takes a job in Colorado Springs and becomes one of the very best coaches we've ever had, period. Not just women's wrestling, but wrestling. I think he's remarkable. As a matter of fact, you think about it. Terry Steiner, University of Iowa. Bill Zadek, University of Iowa. They're peppered with Hawkeyes at the internet or at the uh, USA uh, uh, Wrestling uh, home offices there in Colorado Springs. All right, we got to take a quick timeout. Running late to the break. Stay tuned. There's more. This is USA Takedown from ESPN Radio. Stay tuned. <laughs> All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Joe Rogan said, that stuff is awesome. I just ordered a ton of it and use it every day. Defense Soap, it's what the pros use. All right, welcome back to the show. Doobie Brothers coming up on Sunday, 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 uh, at the Iowa State Fair. I'll be there, 804. I think it's 8 o'clock start on that concert. Looking forward to seeing Michael McDonald back with the group, and that'll be fun for us. I'm going with um, Van and Becky Harden. Uh, Van, of course, uh, this is our opportunity to celebrate his 50 years in broadcasting in a big way. He couldn't say yes fast enough when I offered up the idea of doing this concert. So I'm looking forward to it. All right, today on the program, uh, USA Takedown, we are talking women's wrestling primarily and uh, one of those that I've been following for, gosh, at least 12 years, I, I think it's been 12 or even more, uh, is our next guest. She is Lauren Louive, and uh, joining us on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Good morning, Lauren. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. It was so good to see you at the Stalemate Street League event, uh, sitting sitting there acting like you're just nobody else other than a great wrestling fan. You are truly a wrestling fan. Talk to us about how the love of the sport initially started with you. Oh, gosh. Um, let's see. Uh, it started with my brother. <laughs> okay. And Yeah, and he would just, he started youth wrestling, and he would come home, and he'd be like, Lauren, check out this new wrestling move I learned. <laughs> and he'd attack me like little brothers do and, <laughs> you know, proceed to show my parents the new movie learned on me. So and then I had to defend myself. <laughs> no, how old were you at the time? Uh, let's see, seventh grade, eighth grade, yeah. Okay. Grade. And so and wrestling, that, like, sometimes the wrestling bug bites a little bit. Other times with people like you, for example, athletes like you, it bites really bad. In other words, <laughs> it really sinks its teeth into it. And, and, and I can't imagine you doing anything other than wrestling, but you're also uh, a bit of a cowgirl, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some of my favorite pictures um, on your Facebook uh, have to do with you uh, riding horses, wearing chaps, and, and and really getting after it. I don't know that, um, I think Rich Bender is a horseman. Uh, I, do, I hesitate to call him a cowboy. <laughs> he looks too good, <laughs> all dressed up in his little cowboy <laughs> clothes. But you make it look good, I got to tell you. So. Uh, I don't know oh, where that you. that comes from. Have you been riding horses your entire life, or when did it start? Yeah, for you? Uh, my mom said I could ride before I could walk. Really? Oh, so, yeah, there, yeah. So we we grew up with it. Um, my family barrel races. So yeah, my my parents had horses before I was born, and 
I just grew up with them. And as a baby, they'd put me on the horse and, um, I could ride by myself. I mean, completely by myself by five years old. Wow. So, yeah. So I had my own horse and we do barrel racing and, uh, mounted shooting. So I yeah, fell, that's, that's I, where the chaps come in. <laughs> I think I fell in love with barrel racing. Uh, and I've announced several, uh, rodeos in my, in my tenure, in my life. Oh, and, nice. uh, and uh, the reason I fell in love with barrel racing is because the women are so gosh darn, uh, just let it fly. In other words, that they, they leave nothing to the imagination or leave nothing in their, uh, kit of tools as it were. Um, I, and I re fell in love with it by watching the hit TV show, uh, that Kevin Costner has out called Yellowstone. Oh yes. I love Yellowstone. <laughs> oh my, I've, I've already binged through the whole dang thing and I'm, I'm waiting for more. <laughs> Now, I don't know That's if you know, show. but Costner was back here in Iowa uh, for the Field of Dreams uh, game between the Yankees and the White Sox. And uh, oh. by golly, a lot of Yankee fans were going, please let the team win. And sure enough, at the very end of the ninth inning, there's a walk-off home run by the White Sox and they win the game. <laughs> That's awesome. But Costner did such a remarkable job um, being Kevin Costner. I mean, he wasn't acting the fool, he was acting in such a way that there's a true love for uh, the sport. But he, I think he has the same feeling about horses and uh, uh, that whole environment around ranching. I truly do. And uh, what a job. So I'm glad you and I share that passion of Yellowstone. That's a good. And folks, if you haven't seen Yellowstone, it's on the Peacock Network. Check it out. Uh, and if you don't have Peacock, you're missing out on some great programming. But anyway, our guest is Lauren Louis. Lauren, where are you now? Because you were affiliated with the Hawkeye Wrestling Club for a while. What? Uh, where do you hang your hat now? I'm in Colorado Springs, Colorado at the Olympic Training Center. So, so yeah, I moved out here. I've been out here about three years now. Three years. Okay. Well, we just had Terry Steiner on the show, and he was uh, watching wrestling even as we spoke. <laughs> As the juniors the juniors are competing all right and uh, they yeah. are ahead of uh, india by a little bit but still two wrestlers you know waiting to compete i think we're probably going to pull off yet another team victory as well what are your thoughts on the rise of women's wrestling because you've been a huge part of it um i think it's great and um i'm like yes finally <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, we, yeah, yeah, it's a long time coming and I'm happy to see the support and appreciate everyone who's helped us to get, you know, to where we are in the direction we're going. And clearly we're not there yet. You know, we're an emerging sport, um, recognized by, you know, division one and the NCAA and, um, you know, we, we want to get that sanctioning. We want to, we, we have higher goals, right. you know, but we're on our way and we appreciate the support and everyone who's who's helped to get us to where we're going. The Olympic games were not necessarily the coming out party. I think the coming out party for women's wrestling and everybody started to pay attention was Paris, France. Would you agree with that? Agree with that? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say so. With, yeah. With our, in, in maybe even before that, you know, maybe are you talking about when Helen? Yeah. Yes. Well, yes, and yes. I, Helen's performance in Rio was outstanding. Uh, perhaps people and at, NBC didn't know that because they didn't play it, but uh, and I was very distraught over that because I thought they missed a great story and a great way for them to throw some light on women's wrestling. 
but at the same time, you know, that's a big job. Olympics is a big job for any broadcasting company, indeed. But, uh, you know, I think the, the rise of Helen uh, and women's wrestling in general uh, took a huge step forward there. Uh, and, you know, you've got great wrestlers like Adeline and Helen and yourself. Uh, but also, and Terry talked about this, his coaching staff really gets it. Uh, Clarissa Chun's been there, done that, and she's turning out, in Terry's words, to be an outstanding coach. Talk to us a little bit about the coaching staff and the efforts put forward by USA Wrestling. I don't think we've seen this in the past, at least to the intensity we're experiencing it now. Um, I think it's extremely helpful that we have, you know, um, assistance at all levels. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it's helpful that we have a grassroots program, that we have a junior development program. Um, I think that's, I mean, you see it at junior worlds right now. Um, I think it's helpful that we have all of that moving forward. You know, you, you look at college programs and their feeder programs are, you know, the high schools and high schools have the youth programs. And so looking at the senior level, you know, just having that investment in the the junior levels and the cadets and the school girls, I think all of that's extremely beneficial and extremely helpful. And I think that's helped get us the success and it's going to get us the continued success moving forward. You know, I I love it. Um, I I remember the first time I saw the words wrestle like a girl. And, uh, now it's become quite the thing, but, um, you know, I'm proud to wear those t-shirts and anything that's, you know, shows my support of women's wrestling. We're talking with, uh, Lauren Louise on the program, got to see her in person, uh, give her kind of a half hug <laughs> at the, <laughs> at the, at the street league event here, uh, the stalemate street league. What a fun night that was. Uh, It was not pretentious in any stretch of the imagination. It was the first off event done very well. Um, You got to see it up close and personal and saw some of those that you've been friends with for quite some time doing their thing. Um, (laughs) If I I was Lauren Louis, I would have wanted to be on that mat that night just to be a part of the competition. Agree or disagree? Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Any, Any opportunity to compete. Yes. Do you, and, and you know, you mentioned the uh, the fact that NCAA is um, has the sport on an emerging status. It seems to me they are slow walking this thing, and I don't understand why. It you know, you guys have put in the work. Uh, the number of institutions out there sponsoring women's wrestling or having that as part of their athletic offering. Uh, it seems to me the NCAA could move a little bit quicker. Would you agree with that? I mean, that would be nice, <laughs> right? but, but, you know, um, I don't know all the ins and outs of it, outs of it. I don't know all the, you know, the meetings that need to be had or the, I don't know all the things, the strings that need to be pulled behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, um, I don't know all of those. Um, but of course we would love it sooner rather than later. You know, I would have, I looking back college wise, I would have loved to compete for the NCAA, you know, division one, like, you know, that's, you know, every college wrestler at the highest level, that's, that's their ambitions. You know, I want to, you know, wrestle at the division one level and I want to get that division one scholarship and, you know, females want the same thing, you know, and, um, they want to be able to, you know, get the degrees that some of the division one schools have to offer while wrestling, you know, while being on a wrestling scholarship and stuff like that. And so I'm excited when those opportunities are available to, um, you know, females as well. Mm-hmm. 
Lauren Louis, our guest. Um, and I want to, I, I guess you brought it up. Uh, Cumberland Patriots enjoyed your presence for four consecutive years, uh, earning all American honors as well. Um, the WCWA, but you know, for you, it was more than just about wrestling. You also got a great education. What was your initial area of study while at Cumberland? Oh, wow. Well, I was actually a triple major. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so um, biology, exercise, sports science, and public health. And then I also, at the University of Cumberland, went on to get my master's degree in education. A master's degree in education while she's wrestling. I mean, yeah. that's... That says so much about you. You are on a definite, and perhaps your parents told you this at one point, you're an overachiever. <laughs> I just like to, you know, get my goals. <laughs> yeah, well, you're doing it. You're doing well. You caught the eye of so many. Uh, after graduating, you also went on to coaching, both at your alma mater and then at Cornell College in Iowa. Um, how has that transition been for you, understanding that you're not done competing yet? Uh, but uh, you seem to be wearing that hat well as a coach. Well, thank you. Um, I absolutely love coaching, and, I mean, that's that's what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> I want to be a wrestling coach. <laughs> See, there's, um, there's hope for you, Kara, when she grows up, when you grow up. I, I love that. I love that. There's, Thanks. And it, it's, a, it's a ways out of, um, is it Massillon? Um, Massillon? Maslin. Yes. Ohio. Okay. Yep. And uh, if, if is there a uh, club that you're attached to, like so many are with Titan Mercury, okay? So many are with um, New York Athletic Club or Sunkist. Um, yes. Wh- who are you closest to? Uh, the New York Athletic Club. Okay. Um, yeah, that, so, that is, so they help. Have you ever wrestled at the New York Athletic Club? I have. They have the... Um, they do. They host an international tournament okay. um, at the New York Athletic Club. And uh, pre-COVID, they were hosting it uh, once a year. So we get to go out there and represent my, my home club. It's a fun place to, to stay in New York, right? I mean, it's right off <laughs> right off uh, uh, Central Park. Uh, it's across the street from an outstanding uh, champagne and caviar restaurant that serves an oh, outstanding really? bullet borscht. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's cold, too. And I got to tell you, that dollop of sour cream, that'll win you over right there, but it's perhaps the best borscht I've ever had in my life. And uh, uh, the Pet- the Petrosian, I think it's called the Petrosian. But uh, yeah, next time in New York, check that out. That is one of the great places. Opens up at 5. I found that the okay. hard way. They made me sit at a table at 4 o'clock, and nobody would talk to me until 5 o'clock. They would... <laughs> They would just keep making the rounds, doing whatever, but I never got a chance to order even a a glass of water. (laughs) But it's a great story, and uh, I'm sticking to it. Lauren Louise, our guest. Where are we out of time here, kid? Two minutes. Okay. All right. So, Lauren, being, um, and I'm not, I don't want to get into any of your personal medical issues or anything like that, but uh, it seems to me you are in a great place, mentally speaking. And uh, you're a, a tremendous contributor to uh, wrestling in general, not just women's wrestling, but wrestling in general. And I appreciate that. What is your, uh, in your mind anyway, the greatest accomplishment you've had in your career up to this point? Oh, great. 
goodness. Um, <laughs> my greatest accomplishment in yeah. my career. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think there's like, there's not like one thing that stands out to me. There's not like one competition that I was like, yeah, that was the competition or like, yeah, that was, that was the thing or, you know, anything like that. Um, but for me, um, what I have enjoyed about my career is feeling myself get better right. as an athlete, like feeling, being able to know what the sport is doing for myself. Um, even in the moment that it's happening, like, you know, we all know that the wrestling requires so much of you, um, to give, you know, attention, you know, you're just, you're all, you know, you have to be dedicated to the sport and to be able to see what that, um, pulls out of myself, you know, to see, myself have to dedicate myself to my nutrition and fully, Mm -hmm. you know, my mindset and to work on that. And you have to change things. You know, you recognize things about yourself. You might not always like the things you find out about yourself and then being able to put in the time and the work to change those things. What it's more than just technique. You know, they say wrestling is a lifestyle and it truly is. And, um, I feel like any martial or arts similar to wrestling is that, and, you know, and anything at its highest level, um, when you put in the work, you notice the things, you make the changes, and then it puts you one step closer to the success that you want. Mm. So I just like being able to see myself get better as an individual in the sport and even as a person. So many look up to you, myself included, by the way. I'm a huge fan. I'm glad we're friends, but it's fun to watch you compete through your career uh, and we get to witness it. I truly believe that. We are well, witnessing you, greatness every time you step on the mat. Nobody works harder to in the gym than you do. That's for sure. Uh, appreciate, appreciate the time, Lauren. And again, great to see you uh, here in Des Moines. Was it last Friday or two weeks ago? I don't know. I don't remember either. <laughs> time flies. Right, right, right. But it was great to see you. Oh, thank you so much, sweetie. Listen, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for joining us this morning live from Colorado Springs. Appreciate that. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, kid. There we go. Lauren Louise. Um, you know, there, there are bright spots in the world of wrestling. She is definitely one of them. Her star shines so brightly and, and she's willing to share that with so many. And that's why she's one of my women's heroes and in general, a hero to the sport. I appreciate that. All right. Coming up next, so we'll talk with Afsun Johnson, a great coach. She's got a tremendous history as a champion, a really groundbreaking history as a champion. She'll be joining us live from her car. So stay tuned. There's more. This is ESPN. More coverage of wrestling and MMA continues after this timeout here on USA Takedown, only on 1350 ESPN. Des Moines Sports Leader. Excellent choice of music this morning. Are we playing any Doobie Brothers today? Meh, meh. It's coming up Sunday, 8 o'clock at the Iowa State Fair. I'll be there. Yeah, you're jealous. I get it. I get it. But uh, the only time I'll go to the fair this year is that Sunday night, so I'm looking forward to it. All right, we're talking women's wrestling on uh, USA Takedown today as we come to you live from the Wild Rose Casino Studios. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends at Mullet's Restaurant down on Des Moines' south side just by the ballpark. Mullets, they love wrestling and they love wrestlers. There's a Dan Gable table you can enjoy. All you got to do is ask for it. It, uh, It's outstanding food. Just great, 
great care, great food. All right. Uh, she was born in Iran. And th- think about this. She was born in Iran. Women could not wrestle and did not, uh, most likely did not even get to see wrestling. But her father would take time to teach her wrestling at home. Okay. These wrestling moves in their home. And what he did is help develop a sincere interest, fostering a severe and sincere interest in the sport. She joins us, does our friend Afsun Johnston. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good morning, Scott. Doing well. Thank you for having me on your show. Oh, I know it's a busy day for you, moving your son up to school. And what school will he be attending? Yes, we're in California. We're actually in Southern California. And I uh, reside in San Diego, and his school is Northern L.A., so you know, with that Southern California traffic, it's about a four-hour drive. <laughs> yeah, it's like 30 blocks, but it's going to take you four hours to get there. Right. I remember I was announcing at um, the forum, okay, and yeah. um, uh, me and my buddy A.L. A, a. Hazlip uh, decided that we wanted to go to um, Lowry. Was it Lowry's? No. Maybe it was Gallagher's out there. Anyway, we we're going to go to this restaurant, and we didn't have a car. So we had to hop my first experience with an Uber car. Well, uh-huh. you know, if you look at it, uh, the distance between the L.A. Hilton, LAX Hilton, uh, and the restaurant looked like maybe 20 minutes. Three hours it took for us to drive there. Three hours. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of the Rio Olympics. Same kind of situation. It was, you know, faster to walk than jump in a car, I think. <laughs> you know, the sad part about it is my food was completely digested by the time we got back to the hotel. Completely. <laughs> I could not rest on my loss. No, the three hours back, you know, you'd think there's a, a drive time out there, you know, when traffic is at its worst. Well, that's pretty much all day, every day in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I don't it know. is. That's true. First thing Sunday morning, you know, 4 a.m. <laughs> and you're in a traffic jam. You're going, where are all these people going? <laughs> yeah, why? Why are we doing this to ourselves? Anyway, our guest, <laughs> Afsun Johnson. Afsun, I want to hear you say slowly, your uh, your maiden name. Yeah. So Afsun Roshan Zamir. Roshan Zamir. Roshan. You know, I used to joke that, um, you know, when, when we took tests in school and you write your name, you know, everybody was done with their test by the time I finished writing out my last name. So every letter from A to Z, but yeah, Roshan Zamir. Roshan Zamir. I love that. It's very lyrical, isn't it? Now, uh, i got to tell you another story from the forum. When I was announcing uh, the World Clubs Cup, okay, uh, mm-hmm. there were so mm-hmm. many teams and so many different names. I literally worked on them for weeks uh, trying to get my pronunciations correct. And uh, I, I probably did an okay job. wasn't a great job. But, uh, man, what a challenge it is for any announcer to announce yeah. international wrestling. <laughs> yes. Well, I remember when Ed used to announce when I was competing yeah. um, at Alberti, and he would say, Afsun, and I would know right away he's getting to me, and he did a beautiful job he with did. it, as does Sandy Stevenson now. But, um, yeah, it was <laughs> it was definitely a difficult last name, and you definitely know who those Iranian wrestlers are <laughs> by their last name. You know, the, 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 the uh, Indian wrestlers are perhaps the greatest gift to an announcer. Because half of the team is named Kumar, right? Half of the team. The coaching staff, coaching staff is named Kumir or Kumar. And it's just, it just crazy. But thank you so much, Team India. That's And other than that, I want nothing to do with you. Okay? 
<laughs> All right. So born in Iran, making your way to the United States, did you, and becoming the first U.S. medalist in women's freestyle wrestling history, I mean, truly, and, and the book, was it Profile and Courage? Is that right? Yeah, the book, um, Craig Sester authored it, and, um, you know, I'm biased, but it's a great book, I think, um, for anyone out there wanting a good wrestling story, just having, wanting a good um, motivational story, wanting a good, you know, and, and, and we're really lucky with the book. What we're doing right now is getting it into the school system. So all the wrestlers out there that need a nonfiction book for their book reports, for school, now that we're, you know, back in session and a lot of states back in person, it is a great book um, yeah. to get. And um, again, you know, it's, it's, it's educational, but it's also a really fun, easy read. Were you at any time, and, and listen, I trust Craig with my life. I believe in what he does. Tremendous writer. But at any point in time, were you a little bit shy about telling your story or did you feel it, ne it needed to be told? That's a great, that's a great question. So with, with my book, I mean, Craig knew a lot of my history from when the time where he spent with USA wrestling mm -hmm. and covering the athletes. I was, you know, when I came back to coaching, um, he knew a lot about my, my story. And so that's why he even approached me and said, listen, your story needs to be in, written into a book. And I was very receptive to the, to the portion about the wrestling part, but um, as you know, with, with a biography, you know, you want to know about the whole person. And I was, I was very hesitant in, um, in including my personal life. And, um, and so we did, we did have some arguments back and forth because <laughs> I was like, this needs to be in the book. And I was like, oh, I don't want this in the book because you have to, you have no choice. You, you know, people want to know these things. And, you know, it did end up that, that he's right. I had, um, a lot of my friends read the book before it came out and they all said, no, everything that Craig was saying needed to be in the book really did need to be in the book because, you know, the readers are getting to know, um, as soon and from, from the beginning years in Iran and, and then how with wrestling and, you know, and they want to know where, where is Afshin now and what is happening um, you know, beyond just the wrestling match. And so he was right in that we argued about including some of my personal life in there, but, um, but Craig was right. And so, um, yeah, it's all in there. Mm. And, and I have to, you know, I'd be remiss in talking about your history in women's wrestling. If we didn't bring up, uh, David Shade, um, you know, yes. a lot of folks may not realize he was the father of NCAA champ, us open champ, Dan Shade. And uh, Dan was uh, such an integral part of uh, the Foxcatcher uh, yes. saga, if you will. Um, yes. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that you had been touched by so many in terms of uh, your wrestling prowess. I mean, the first right. time you went and out, honestly, it was the high Scott, I am where I am because of that. And, you know, at the time, I didn't realize it. But, you know, I had this incredible story of being born in Iran and right. all the limitations with women. And But I got so lucky that once, you know, I was living in the United States and walked into that wrestling room. It was the wrestling room at Independence High School. And like you said, you know, David Shade, is the head coach there. And he was bringing in guys like, you know, his son, um, Dan Shade, but also Dan's teammates, who was, you know, David Schultz. And in <laughs> high school, I'll tell you a story. Um, my leg lace that I won so many matches, I was, I was 
Hot by Dave Schultz back wow. in the 80s. Wow. And, yeah, a lot of people don't know this. And, man, it worked like a charm, you know, and won me a lot of matches. But at the time, I didn't know how big it, what a big deal that was, that Dave Schultz was the one that taught me my leg lace at a time where um, the male wrestlers didn't really pay attention to, to the female wrestlers. And, really, there weren't any female wrestlers. Really, there was a handful of us, and that right. was about it. And so for Dave to have done that, and, you know, kind of set aside that time. And I was, you know, this, this 98-pound high school uh, girl that, like, you know, he, he's walking into the wrestling room to do some summer training with, with his buddy Dan Shade, whose dad's the high school coach. You know, that's, that's how I, I learned my leg lace. And then, you know, in that room, you have guys like Marco Sanchez, <laughs> who goes on to be an Olympian for Puerto Rico. And you have... Um, you know, Eric Guerrero, who I, I practiced with, who sure. was, you know, years younger than me, but in that same wrestling room. So we definitely had a powerhouse of a program. And I really think that's why I was able to be as successful as I was in those early years where where people didn't really pay attention to women's wrestling. It was 1989, uh, the World Championships. And if you think about it, how far we have come since 1989, it was the first time the USA would field a women's freestyle team team, and you ended up making that U S team at 47 kilos. How close are you uh, to weight right now? <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. If I jump on the scale right now, I'll be underweight. Underweight. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh, I think Clarissa Chun has used that same joke. I, I wish, you know, Scott, I, I joke. I, I say my, um, my first opponent was, was always the scale. You know, if I if I got through the scale, everything else would be easy. All my other matches would be easy. But even back then, at forty seven kilo, um, I, I I cut a lot because I am I you know I was pretty tall and lengthy for my weight class and taller than all my other opponents. Um, and so as the years went on, yeah, I definitely it became more challenging. And then what they did in those early years, it, it used to be forty seven kilograms, and then they changed the weight weight class and. And then it became 46 kilograms. I'm like, are you kidding me? I was already having a hard time making 47. Now you're telling me I got to cut 2.2 more pounds. Wow. Wow. That's it. What an insult. <laughs> you worked so hard. Now you're going to drop another two and a half. Okay. Right. All right. right. So right. Lee Allen also was instrumental to you. Um, you yes. know, what a true pioneer, uh, not just yes. in women's wrestling, but in wrestling in general. I mean, if you look yes. at the success Team USA is having right now, a lot of it can be traced directly back to Lee Allen. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I, Joan is still his wife. Joan is still so active, and and I and I talk with her all the time. Um, but Lee, absolutely, I remember my very, very, very first international tournament in 1989, even before we went on to the World Championships. Um, Lee Allen uh, put together a international tournament um, in San Francisco. And it's so cool because I remember, um, I mean, I can't imagine his vision, you know, even way back when he was way ahead of his time. But um, there's a T-shirt from that tournament that I have. And I think that's going to be a big-time collector's item. But, you know, it says uh, 1989 Women's International and and it's really cool. And every time I see that shirt, I think of Coach Allen and 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 what he started. And yeah, absolutely, it was it was coaches like Lee Allen and you know Rusty Davidson and 
and Joe Corso and all Little those Joe. guys that really, um, yeah, and Joe's, Joe's a big Iowa guy, Joe Corso, and that, that really um, just supported women's wrestling back when, um, to be honest, there was a lot of naysayers. And, mm-hmm. and I remember an article where, um, where someone was quoted as, well, this great sport of wrestling doesn't need is a sideshow that resembles mud wrestling. Just imagine that quote. Or, or, or jello or pudding wrestling, wrestling yeah. doesn't need is a sideshow. That's right. That resembles mud wrestling. So you could just imagine for, for those big names like Dave Schultz and John Smith and Joe Corson and all of those guys, Mindy Allen, to step up and be like, no, you're wrong. Wrestling is for everybody. And, and these, these girls and these women do, they love wrestling and we're going to coach them to get better. So those, those guys are the legends. You know, that's, and by the way, our, this is where the legends live, this show. That's our tagline, right? And um, mm-hmm. one of the mm-hmm. greats out there, of course, Afsun Johnson, she is uh, uh, talking to us in between mo- uh, her home and moving her son into uh, college. And it's going to be a big day. Lots. I'm sure. Will you cry? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm already crying oh. on the inside. <laughs> and I think the tears will flow the minute I, I get back in the car to drive away from it. That's a sure. lonely drive, kid. I got to tell you, you could be with a car full of people, but that when you take your son or your right. daughter to school, I can't imagine what it would have been like with if I had had a daughter, but my two boys... That was the exact same day for both. And, um, you know, I'm on yeah. the phone with them as much. And then they stopped answering my calls. <laughs> oh, no, don't say that. <laughs> well, it, it may be different for, for mothers, but um, I was a little overly uh, sensitive to their departure. But, uh, oh, yeah, you mentioned I... Russie Davison. Mm-hmm. Um, what a what a, a gem we have in him, right? Yes, Rusty. Oh, Wow. I think I think we gave Rusty many gray hairs back in the day. Like he didn't know what he was getting into coaching us. But what a great, great, great guy! Yeah, yeah. Rusty was our very first world team, women's world team coach back in 1989. Oh man, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Oh I, yeah. I have a yeah, great appreciation he was the first for him. one. And I remember Rusty saying a lot of coaches went up to him and said, what are you doing? You yeah. you know, you, you've got a name for yourself in wrestling and, and going to coach these, these, these girls, you, you know, you're um, blacklisting yourself, basically. That's right. And Rusty said, no, I, I believe in, in these girls and um, it's the right thing to do and I'm going to coach them. And he took us to um, the world championship. So my historic first world medal is with Rusty Davidson in the corner. I love it. What a great, what a great history. Up against mm-hmm. the clock, kid. I know you've got stuff to do. We got to make it to the top of the hour news here on ESPN Radio. But appreciate you taking the time to join us today as we continue to salute women's wrestling on this entire episode of USA Takedown. Thanks so much, kiddo. Thank you so much for having me. It's always fun to talk to you. You're so fired up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Have fun today. Okay. Thank you. There we go. All right, UFA Russia, they're doing good things over there. And uh, Junior World champs include Emily Shulson, Amit Elor, and Kylie Welker, all winning gold Thursday at the 2021 Junior World Championships in Russia. All three women dominated their ways to earning the finals bids. Outstanding effort by Team USA and its own that 
it's like this giant snowball that keeps getting bigger and bigger and faster and faster going down a hill. And we're enjoying the heck out of it because we get to see some of the most incredibly talented women in the world on the mat on our behalf. It used to be Japan would rule the roost, okay, but and Russia. But now we're seeing USA women just absolutely killing it. All right, do me a favor. Stay tuned. We're going to hit the top of the hour. You're listening to America's Wrestling Radio Talk Show. This is USA Takedown, Scott Casper. And that young lady across the, the studio from me is Kira Jones. We're on Iowa Sports Later. This is 1350 ESPN. All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Two-time world champion Terry Brand said, we use it in our showers and in our room. Defense Soap, it's what the pros use. know that voice hey doobie brothers in concert still a few tickets left at the iowa state fair it'll be sunday night the 22nd eight o'clock uh, showtime uh, we'll be there and i hope you take time to join us as well yacht rock at its finest you ever heard that term yacht rock yeah well that's the doobie brothers all over the joint <laughs> we just finished up a great conversation with f soon johnson lauren the weave was on in the first hour terry steiner one of the uh, great coaches uh, for Team USA, for sure. And nobody's believed in women's wrestling more than Terry Steiner, the former Hawkeye and his twin brother uh, out of South Dakota, but uh, definitely making their name well-known around the world, uh, surely in the wrestling community. Our next guest is, um, oh, man. You know, I, I, I posted a picture on LinkedIn, Facebook, and uh, a couple different social media outlets and it it showed a picture of her literally wrapped in the flag of the United States of America. And I said, pure joy as she wraps herself in the flag of her country. And so many likes, so many likes for that photo and my short statement. But I love it. She joins us now. Does Tamira Mensa stock? Good morning, Tamira. How are you? Good morning. <laughs> I'm well yourself. <laughs> I'm so glad to be able to talk to you on the show. This is your first visit with us, and um, and I hope it's just the beginning. Uh, after watching you wrestle in Tokyo, uh, I believe you to be uh, the very model of the modern female wrestler. You gave it your all. You look good doing it, and your story, really, um, on your trip up to dominating your way to, to uh, Olympic gold at 68 kilos is nothing short of fantastic. Talk to us a little bit about, and we'll get to the food truck. We're not going to ignore the food truck story because that's huge, okay? But I want you to tell us how old you were when you started wrestling and what the wrestling climate is like, say, in Houston, Texas. So I started wrestling when I was about uh, 15 years old. I was going to be turning 16 in a few months. And uh, I was in track and field initially. And my twin sister actually was the one that joined wrestling first. My mom told her to quit because she did not like her baby girl being in <laughs> such an aggressive sport. She didn't listen. And, in fact, she ended up recruiting me. <laughs> and, um, yeah, uh, I I didn't like it. I actually wanted to quit the first month. And she convinced me to stay until our first team duel meet. And uh, that's when the coaches... Uh, 
I guess, saw something in me and bumped me up to weight classes. And I actually ended up pinning a state qualifier, my first match ever. Oh, wow. And um, that, that, like, the rest, like, goes down in history because I, after that, I just freaking loved it. And nobody could stop me from <laughs> being in the sport. That is an outstanding start and jump starting. Now we go to, you know, when your mother, uh, Shonda Wells, uh, didn't want you to wrestle her little baby girl. No, no, no. But you know what? You're proving out that uh, a, a woman can do whatever she wants to do. And you also, I think you probably learned that from your mom. Your mom uh, loves to BBQ, loves to barbecue, and was doing so out of a pit with two wheels, right, basically. And you that promised, is correct. You said, Mom, I'm going to buy you a food truck uh, once I win the Olympics, right? And somebody in Texas, I think it was... Um, I'm trying to remember who the, it was a Cameron Davies. I think it was the owner yes, of Cruising Kitchen. Cruising Kitchen. Yeah. And a tremendous respect for this guy, a food truck manufacturing company. When he heard of your plans to buy a $30,000 truck, he said, mm, we can do better than that. Instead of donating a food truck with a similar price tag, they stepped it up, didn't they? they I mean, they stepped it up big, worth a quarter of a million dollars, this food truck yeah. that they're donating. What was what was your take on that and upon hearing that news? And furthermore, what did your mother, what, what, what happened with your mom when she heard the news? So, well, first, when I just heard that they were going to help me out with the food truck, I found out in uh, Tokyo, they, somebody had said, hey, I don't know if this is true, but you really need to look at this, um, this post on Instagram. And I was just scrolling through and I saw it and I was like, is this the post they're talking about? And there was this like random guy with a bus behind him. And he was holding up the heart sign. And it was like posted. <laughs> I got tagged like four times on it. And I was like, I don't, what, what is happening? What is this guy doing? And my, uh, one of my good friends and training partner, Maya Nelson, she was laying on top of me and I was on the phone with my twin at the same time. And when I, <laughs> watched the video i looked at it and i was like cool yeah yeah yeah. i know i'm a weirdo i'm saying i, I i'm crying like it's just a video just a repeat of what i did after i had won the olympics and then cameron davies popped up and he said you know what tamara i do love america and <laughs> i want to present you with a food truck to give your mom and i literally just started busting out crying mm -hmm. like something like I don't even know what came over me, but I just started heaving and crying. And my twin and Maya were like, what's wrong? What's, what's wrong? And I like barely could get the words out. So from then, I was already ecstatic. And then when he called me and told me that it was going to be like five times the amount that <laughs> I was going to do, I started crying even more. And then I told, I didn't tell my mom. I wanted to make it a surprise. But then uh, he was like, let's get her on a call first and, like, just, just surprise her with it because we want to get this, we want to get her involved with it, too, so it's exactly what she wants. And we surprised her on uh, on a show, and she she cried. Like, this is where I get my ugly cry from was her. Like, <laughs> it, it was just pretty much the same. Like, she was crying and screaming, going, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. Like, it you have to be in there. It it made me cry all over again, just seeing how happy she was. 
she does is and i think he put it well when he said it's time for you to take care of her because she's been taking care of you all along and i yeah. thought that a very generous and and you know spot on uh thing for davies to say but uh, hats off to our business of the year cruising kitchen uh kitchens uh the food truck manufacturing company that is uh, gifting your mom a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar food truck with all the bells and whistles and uh, talk about a beautiful piece and when will the truck actually be delivered um so i'm not entirely sure but they're saying around november yeah that it, it, it takes time well of course it does i mean these things don't just happen overnight they have to custom customize uh the frame of the of the food truck Make sure that everything, every square inch of that thing has to be used in a positive sense in order to be able to contribute to making a great uh, mobile kitchen, as it were. But this is going to put your mom on the road in a big way. Shonda has got to be so, was probably very surprised, but more than anything, so grateful. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy for her. Like I, more than anything, I'm, I'm happy for me, but I'm extremely (laughs) ecstatic and flabbergasted and happy for her. Like more than I am for me. You became in winning Olympic gold and Kira, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Tamira became the second woman to ever win Olympic gold. But more than that, she became the first African American uh, to, um, female to ever win Olympic gold. You know, we're this, like I said earlier with coach Terry on the show, I said, this is the very dawning of a new era for women's wrestling. If you think about it, we go back to 1989, the first time team USA actually uh, put onto the mat or fielded a team of women's wrestlers that we've come a long way, baby, you know, to, to paraphrase <laughs> a statement made by some cigarette manufacturer, uh, Virginia Slims. That, that was it. But uh, anyway, uh, Tamira Mensah-Sak is our guest. And, uh, you know, it's coincidental. I don't know if it is or not, but that $250,000 truck literally represents what you won, uh, a $250,000 payday uh, from uh, the the Living the Dream Metal Fund, uh, uh, USA Wrestling, and and those well-intended people uh so very very generous uh, reward for you but man you fought every step of the way to get to that point in order to be able to achieve um what was that moment like knowing that you had locked up the olympic gold medal um at first i didn't realize that i had did it because i was just so tuned in and focused on who was in front of me, regardless of the, you know, the, the, the metal that was in front of me. I, I, I just wanted to make sure I stayed focused and I didn't put too much pressure on myself. And I raised my hand. I threw my heart sign out there because I told somebody that I was going to do it every single match. And I'm so happy I got to do it multiple times. And it didn't really hit me until I got to hold the flag. And like, that's when I started just bursting into tears and it Honestly, it was it was an incredible feeling. I, I, I in my head, I was like, "Oh my gosh, Daddy, I did it!" Mm-hmm. And I'm like thanking God, like, "Oh, by the grace of God, I did it!" Thank you so much for giving me the strength for helping me move my feet. Thank you guys so much. And <laughs> I, I felt like the best way I can describe my feelings is 
you're in Niagara Falls and you're in front of the waterfall and you step in front of it and you're just crushed by all this water, just <laughs> gallons and gallons and gallons of pressure. That's what my feelings that's what my feelings were like. And then you step away and it's just like a relief. Like right. you can breathe. Yeah. And that's that's honestly like how I felt is Ah, I do it all over again. It was great. To me, uh, getting to that point uh, for you uh, wrestlers, male and female, as much like that cog trail in in Colorado represents to me is that never-ending climb. But at some point, you do end up getting the opportunity. You earn the opportunity to wrestle for Team USA. You chose not to uh, do what some have done, specifically uh, women's soccer. Uh, you chose not to make it a political statement, but one of, as I said, pure joy truly was you wrapped in the flag of your country. You love this country so much. Talk to us about where that comes from. Well, Scott, I was raised in a Christian household and I was raised to be respectful. Mm -hmm. So that's first and foremost, like my roots. And I've um, always been a happy person. I mean, obviously like I'm negative sometimes, but generally speaking, I found that my greatest asset is putting a smile on people's faces. And by the grace of God, I was given that platform mm -hmm. my whole life. My mom said, even when I was two years old, they'd ask, Hey, Hey Shonda, where's that happy twin at? That always gives hugs. Like I, I just would <laughs> hug strangers. Like since I was a child, yep. it was just something that I always did. And so, um, I, I, I guess it rooted from that. And my college coach, he uh, he told me when it comes to people who serve the country, uh, they would love to hear if um, I like went up to them and said, hey, thank you for your service. And I had a choice to say no or yes or not go up to them, right? But I know that there's people out there that are risking their lives, and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so um, I, I'm trying to represent the country in the best way I know how, which is the gift that God's given me, my wrestling. And it comes so natural to me. So I want to go out there and represent my country. And when I see people serving my country, I go up to them and I say, Hey, thank you for your service. Right. I, I really do appreciate it. So a lot of respect was in my household and um, I'm not, I'm apolitical. I'm not a political person at all. I don't, I don't worry about the news. I find uh, so much negativity in it, and I like watching my Disney Channel, uh, my anime, my video games, karaoke. I love bringing joy, so that that's what I do. So, whatever negative is going on, my husband tries to keep me informed, and I'm like, "Coo coo 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 coo." <laughs> hey, this 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 video game. You want to play this video game? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Oh well, what's your favorite anime? Oh my gosh! So right now, okay. See, you can't say that because you got to give me a genre. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Okay. Um, how about like, let's pick a classic. So, a I classic. I was raised on like Dragon Ball Z, Pokemon, right. Sailor Moon. Great anime. Yeah. Do you so have like great. a favorite kind of classic anime? Okay, that's good. So if we went classic, <laughs> I would have to say I'm struggling between Inuyasha and Case Closed, which is yes. Detective Conan. Oh, wow. but Detective Conan is extremely long. It has like 700, 800 episodes. Wow. And Inuyasha, I've watched it like three times. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's such a, an incredible story. I'm, I must admit, 
I owned video stores at one point in my career for quite some time. And I, I was talked into bringing in some anime. And it was, you know, the, the, I think I had three in my first purchase. There's three different ones. I can't tell you the names, but they were always gone. People always rented them. And so I'm thinking maybe I should bring more of this product in. And then we developed an anime section in my stores. And, and it just was a huge hit. But I must be honest, I've never watched anime uh, and you guys are just diving in deep here. I feel like I'm in the shallow end of the pool, <laughs> but anyway. Well, it's, um, it's definitely, um, something that's lighthearted depending on what you're watching. And there's like an anime for everyone. Like there's a show and a movie for everyone. Mm. If you like gory, if you like romantic, if you like sports or detective stuff, there's literally anime for everything. Cause that's, that's what anime is called like a Japanese Japanese cartoon made for adults and kids. Right. Honestly, there are so many good like martial arts anime. Yes. And she she usually talks louder than this, but she's wearing a face uh, diaper right yeah. now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I do, I do want to talk a, a little mask. bit about the Olympic Games and the challenges that you all had to face uh, to be able to wrestle. And at one point, they were considering canceling the uh, the Olympics altogether, in the face of you know a rising tide of uh, COVID related uh, deaths and sickness. But was it was it really challenging for you as an athlete? Um. Yes and no. I honestly and don't ask me how I know this, but I felt it in my bones. <laughs> I honestly felt like the Olympics would not be canceled. I just didn't know when we would get to wrestle. So I, I never had a doubt in my mind that I wouldn't be able to represent our country. And I took that moment and uh, that time to basically spend with my family and uh, my husband. We, I, I loved it. I, I got to start um, learning Spanish and learning the piano. I just got to find out who I was outside of wrestling, which I knew who I was, but I, I got to do it even more. I got to cook all the time and I wasn't tired all the time because I was exhausted from practice. And I had a great time um, during the lockdown and I was extremely ecstatic to uh, get back into wrestling. I even like did like hosted clinics and Zoom, Zoom classes where we did Zumba and yoga and workouts with uh, some kids who were struggling. Um, knowing whether or not they were going to get to wrestle again. I I was just trying to spread joy during that time. I love that you're giving back even in the face of uh, the pandemic. I just absolutely do. Kid, you're one of the great stories of our sport. You're also one of the greats in our sport because of how you wrestle, how you live, and uh, your whole life is very endearing. I love this uh, story about your mom for sure, but uh, it tells me so much about you and... um, Thank you. You know what? Congratulations. Uh, I, I don't know that I've really said that to your face, but congratulations to you for a job well done. And uh, I hope we get to see a lot more of you. I really do. Thank you, Scott. Tell your husband I said hello as well, will you? I will. Thank you, Scott and Carol, for having me. Hey, it's time for you to head to the showers, kiddo. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Tamira Mensa Stock, uh, our most recent uh, gold medalist, the Tokyo games, uh, it's one of the high points of the games period, let alone in wrestling's history.
and uh, she's been our guest today on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Tamira, talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye, bye, kiddo. Oh my God, is she a happy girl? I just I could talk to her all day long because she fires me up. That's the kind of attitude our athletes, most of them have. You know, we go back to Mark Spitz, seven Olympic gold medals. I had dinner with him. I, I probably never, uh, I, it was at my di- dinner table at the hotel in, in Los Angeles, in Hollywood, was uh, Mark Spitz and Buzz Aldrin. And Buzz was getting upset with me because I was talking to his wife. I, I don't think, he, I don't think he wanted to pop me in the mouth. <laughs> I don't think he was in any danger of losing her to me, Okay. I was just having a friendly conversation, but Spitz said something very endearing. And that is, you got to love what you do, even in the face of all the practice hours. You got to love what you do and the ultimate goal. She, Tamira, has absolutely climbed that cog trail of life and wrestling. All right, we're going to continue our conversation on women's wrestling. The director, the communications director of USA Wrestling, Gary Abbott, will be joining us from the Lehigh Valley. Stay tuned. There's more. This is USA Takedown on ESPN. Think you heard everything? Stick around. You ain't heard nothing yet. More USA Takedown after this. Comes my humble quest for a plan. I've been out there hovering by. Don't forget to pull me in sometimes. All right, welcome back to the show. It is uh, USA Takedown on ESPN. Scott Casper, Kira Jones with you on the program. Talking women's wrestling, and uh, there is history being made even as we speak for Team USA. Uh, three junior world champs in women's freestyle. Uh, Taylor Miller did an outstanding article about this, but um, one of the great writers uh, of our sport in general, one of my favorite writers is Gary Abbott. USA Wrestling's Director of Communications. He's in the Lehigh Valley area to uh, attend the celebration of the life of Greg Strobel. He joins us now. Gary, good morning. How are you? Doing great. What's going on? Well, we've had an interesting uh, time uh, having the conversation and really focusing, you know, drilling down deep on women's wrestling. And, uh, you know, when you have greats like Terry Steiner or the last guest we had was Tamira, uh, you know, the, the joy in women's wrestling is becoming very evident. And, uh, you get to tell that story on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. And, uh, you, you, you've been with, uh, USA wrestling, uh, since what, what year did you start with USA? Uh, 1988, 88. So right before team USA fielded its first women's team. Right, right. Our first team was in 89, uh, and uh, since then, we've obviously worked really hard and built a great program. Uh, big news today, we got another junior world champion with Kennedy Blades, another cool. medal, and our team won the juniors as a team. So uh, this summer, our cadet women won the Worlds, our junior women has won the Worlds today, and then obviously four medals at the Olympic Games in, in Tokyo. Uh, uh, great time for American women's wrestling. It's just a great time for American wrestling. Period, oh, I, I right? couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. And I said it with Terry on the phone. He was watching the event as well uh, as being on the show at the same time. But uh, dude is pumped up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we uh, have seen some spectacular production and success this summer. 
Um, it, it doesn't happen in a day. It happens over time with a lot of good people putting a lot of time and effort into some athletes that have, you know, really d- done the work it takes to be world-class. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're seeing the benefits of that this summer, which is just a wonderful time to be a part of the program, right? It's easier to tell the story of um, these women because of their success, but their backstories, much like Tamira's backstory, uh, the food truck, et cetera. But it's it's much easier to write that story, right, than it is to talk about just about making it. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. I mean, of course. and that's that's the joy of, of being in uh, a form of sports communications where you're not just saying who won and who lost, but you're telling the story of those who we're part of the journey, right? They always talk about it's not the destination and it's the journey. So obviously we have four world champion junior women from this week and every single one of them brings their own amazing tale to the story. And, you know, with the Olympics now having embraced women's wrestling, going back to the Athens games uh, in 2004, you know, we've established that program as being an elite program within our organization, but it's growing worldwide, and we're bringing up young athletes who are going to continue to, to move forward, just like Mensa Stock and her teammates did this summer in Tokyo. Four medals in Tokyo was fantastic, right? I just If you think about it, you know, we finished uh, second in the team race, second only to Japan, but Japan has the, uh, uh, I guess the, the the wherewithal basically because they've been there, done that for so many years. That's a big deal for us to to either best Japan or even coming in second. It's it's a big step. But I think, and I and I said this earlier in hour number one, where I believe that women's wrestling, uh, especially for Team USA, really started to gain traction at Paris, France. Agree or disagree? Well, I mean, we've had really high spikes at times. We won the team title in 1999, beat Japan by a point, uh, which is our only individual senior world team title. Uh, But, yeah, no, Paris, I mean, if you look at uh, this quad, we did very well in in the world championships in all three years. Uh, The one thing that made uh, 2019 a great year for us was three individual world champions. Mm Mm-hmm on the senior level for the first time, you know, and with uh, Gray, Menza Stock, and, and Jakara Winchester, right? We never had gotten three. So, um, you know, every step, it's a little different than the step before it, but it's all building towards something which we're hoping we see in Oslo where we win the team title. I mean, that's the goal sure. of the women in the USA program is to beat Japan in Oslo and be the, the you know, 2021 world champions in women's freestyle. It's going to be hard to do. Japan has dominated this sport since the beginning. Uh, they have that strong martial arts background. Right. Great, great support from their country uh, with their women's wrestling program. But uh, it's it's an achievable goal with the U.S. athletes at this point. My friend told me to tell you hello. Uh, apparently you guys grew up. Uh, Anthony Porcelli, you guys grew up together, right? Yeah, he's a Bayshore kid. I'm from the North Shore. He's South Shore kid from Long Island. Uh, the Porcelli family are dear to me. You know, his brother Mike was, <laughs> I mean, he and I went through the grind together. And <laughs> Anthony's been a, a great 
person for wrestling out in Iowa. They've, they've got a pretty good group of kids coming through that club. And obviously, Bella Porcelli can do some wrestling as well. Right? Yeah, boy. <laughs> She's tough, double tough. But yep. being, being raised by her daddy and being allowed on the mat as often uh, as she has been, he's he makes it fun. I think that's probably one of the best things about Anthony. While teaching you, he makes it fun. And not everybody has that ability to do so. But obviously, he was raised in a sport that uh, that was endearing to him, and he wants to give back. And, uh, yeah, no, there's a, a, a tremendous friendship we have, and I know you share that with him as well. Let's talk about Sarah Hildebrandt, if you, if you uh, don't mind. Uh, she bounced back from what some would say a heartbreaking loss in the semis to win the bronze medal in Tokyo. That's a special athlete that has the ability to come in after a loss and still do well. Talk to us about Sarah. Well, Sarah, Sarah obviously will still think about that match for a long time. You know, mm-hmm. she had a 7-0 lead against the world champions in China. Um, and, and the Chinese athlete was able to win the match at the end. And, and that happens at major events. Not every athlete on your team is going to be able to get through some of those tests. But uh, once once you're no longer going to go for gold, but you have a chance for bronze, and it's at every level of wrestling, but especially difficult at the senior level, uh, an athlete has to go back and decide they're going to go out, uh, get a medal, and, and leave the competition uh, with, uh, you know, a lasting impact. And Sarah did just that. I mean, when she went out there and got a tech fall and, and, and won the bronze, um, yeah, we're really sad that she didn't get through that semifinal match uh but what it showed is that she's a great champion right. and, and 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 stood up not only for herself but her country her family just she's a wonderful person she's got a great coach uh that, that continues to coach her high school coach brad harper's in a corner still right i love it uh and part of our overall women's program and and sarah she made a big commitment dropped down to 50 kilos for her olympic run and she got us a medal, and she's going to go to Oslo and try to get the gold. I love that. I love it. And the fight continues. In other words, you know, uh, these women are so motivated, but we're learning the uh, the other side of the story. You know what I'm saying? Their backstories are fascinating to me. And uh, one of the best backstories out there today is uh, Mensa Stock's uh, desire to give her mom a $30,000 food truck. And then uh, the great company stepped up and donated not a $30,000 truck, a $250,000 truck that she yeah, was able yeah. to take on the road and, and cook for so many people and doing it in great style. And by the way, Mensa Stock it was a groundbreaker for sure, but becoming the very first black women, woman to ever win a gold medal in wrestling, uh, defeating the Nigerian. And what a, what a, what a wonderful way... And, and I'm not capping her career, but to really cap off that performance by winning the gold medal. It was very important for the United States, I think. Would you agree with that? Well, I mean, the young women that are looking for a sport or looking to excel in wrestling specifically, they need heroes, right? right, and right. We got our first Olympic gold medal in Rio with Helen Maroulis. And uh, obviously, Helen help transform the program that's now winning junior and cadet world titles. Hmm. But what, what, what uh, Mensa stock brings is a joy and love of life and a sport. And, uh, you know, yes, uh, obviously 
a great milestone for African-American athletes to see a champion on the women's freestyle scene. Absolutely will open doors for people all over the country that, that get inspired by her, right? But, you know, as, as you know, Mensa Stock is bigger than wrestling right now. She's one of the heroes from the Tokyo Games because of her joyous love of, of other people and, and of her country. And she's had an opportunity since stepping off the podium and doing interviews with NBC and, and telling her story a little bit to, you know, reach out to the general public. So you're going to see a lot more of her, I think, in the next little bit. Uh, but her career is far from being at a Zenix. I, I think since she's decided she's going to go to the world championships, she's going to add another gold to that and continue to build that Hall of Fame career that she's already established. I mean, she's still learning the sport. She's yeah. still getting better. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine how good she'll be two, three years from now, right? Mm-hmm. So. I, I can't, you're right. I can't imagine, but I'm so grateful she is one of us, right? Um, yeah, th- this uh, is absolutely. A- yeah. And she's, we've known a long time what a special person she was. United States and the world figured that out because of her success in Tokyo. Uh, and I, I just think that uh, this whole group of women that are right now in the sport, um, is, are going to help us to move the program to a point where, uh, you know, as you as you see, there are girls now that are getting opportunities to wrestle with the youth in the high school and college levels, uh, and, and we're going to see more and more kids show up and say, hey, Dad and Mom, I want to be a wrestler, you know, and it's going to be their son and their daughter. Right? Great. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'll tell you what, we, we've got to take a break here in, in, a, in a minute or so, Gary. And I want you to stay, stay through the break because on the other side, I'd like you to name your Mount Rushmore and uh, who are the women on that on, on the wrestling version of Mount Rushmore on the other side of the break. So I'll give you a chance to think about it throughout the break. But who are those pioneers of women's wrestling? We're talking with Gary Abbott. He is the director of communications of a finely tuned organization called USA Wrestling, the uh, national governing body of our sport, and now having an impact around the world through women's wrestling. We'll be back up to this. You're listening to ESPN Radio. USA Takedown is brought to you by Barbarian Apparel and Kaldenberg's PBS Landscaping. Stay tuned. More USA Takedown after this short timeout. Right out of Katy, Texas, was Tamira Mensah Stock. She had an interview where she said, "It feels amazing. I love representing the U.S. I freaking love living here, and I love that about her. She really put her heart on her sleeve. She wrapped herself in a flag, and believe me, the look of joy on her face—if that's not contagious, I don't know what is. Okay." And uh, what a great story. We're talking about the backstory. Gary Abbott gets to write about these folks and promote that brand of each and every one of them. So my question to Gary prior to going to break was who's on his Mount Rushmore of wrestling in terms of women's wrestling. He rejoins the program in the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline as he's coming to us live from the Lehigh Valley. Gary, thank you for holding through the break. Who is on your Mount Rushmore of women's wrestling? Well, I actually did a column on that maybe two years ago, right? Um, and uh, it, it was pretty clear that, you know, the Mount Rushmore is four, right? Right. Um, the four women 
at that time and perhaps still um, would be Trisha Saunders, the mm-hmm. four-time world champion and the pioneer who basically um, blast-doubled women's wrestling into existence <laughs> as one of the real early leaders of the sport and its greatest wrestler at the time. You know, uh, Christy Davis, who won two world titles and set the record with nine world medals. Wow. Uh, never did get an Olympic opportunity, uh, but uh, she was was and still remains somebody who uh, made great achievements. Uh, she's in the Hall of Fame, just like Tricia Saunders. Um, two current wrestlers, uh, Helen Maroulis, who two-time world champion, now two-time Olympic medalist, including being our first um, Olympic uh, champion. And then uh, Adeline Gray, who's uh, five world titles is more than any man or woman in the United States, now an Olympic silver medalist. I mean, that's that's your Mount Rushmore. But really, with what Mensa Stock is doing right now, right? we may have to carve in a fifth, right? <laughs> um, well, she's, she's up to two titles, right? Right. So conceivably, you could look and see where she stacks up against some of the others. Um, there was no Olympic opportunity for Tricia Saunders and, and uh, Christy Davis kind of straddled the early years of the Olympic opportunities. So, and again, she's just getting started. If you think about it in regards to the fact that she's in her prime right now, but she could extend that for another quad or two. So um, if you're going to have room and you can squeeze in immense stock, you got, you got five, right. And, and, and it's really going to be hard to do this over time. I mean, you look at men's wrestling in the United States, especially on the freestyle side, it's hard to get down to four because there are so many great champions over the decades and decades of American wrestling. Right. Well, our women's program is building that kind of legacy, and pretty soon we're going to really have to argue over it because we'll have a lot more people that, that qualify, right? Um, but the four that I talked about, I think I wrote the column on that two years ago, I think there were some great women that, that didn't make that list. Uh, and if I have to do it again in, in four years from now, it could be a different list of names just based upon the great achievements we're going on as we speak, right? I wouldn't be upset if we had the four that you mentioned on one side, go to the other side of the mountain, do it all over again. I think you got to put Sally Roberts up there at some point. Um, but, well, Sally's a different, though. Her impact is going to go way behind being a wrestler. Her impact as a leader puts her in a spot that, that you would put her in some pretty high level group of people that are pioneers and leaders. Sally won two world bronze medals, which makes her a great wrestler. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's not, uh, and she'll tell you this, she's a friend, but also someone I work with all the time. She'll tell you she was an excellent wrestler, but she wasn't, uh, at a level of the Mount Rushmore women. But okay. what Sally's doing is helping create an opportunity and a climate for there to be numerous right. people that, that get the opportunity to, to be great. And, and, and the, the passion she puts in isn't just to be great champions on the mat. They're trying to develop leaders in life. Uh, anyone who's uh, read any of the literature or listened to anyone involved with Wrestle Like a Girl will understand that they have a much deeper mission. They're trying to change lives, build leaders, and uh, develop a sport that we are hoping will be just as normal and common and an everyday part of America as any other sport. 
Mm. The and and by the way, um, we're not just talking about the performance in Tokyo. We're talking about the performance of women's wrestling since 1989. We've seen moments of greatness, uh, but now we're seeing consistency, and that's where legends are born. Right? I mean, the consistent nature of um, our participants, our athletes, uh, and their ability to train and live their lives. Um, they're not doing it in the shadow of men's wrestling any longer. Agree? Yeah. I mean, I think that our country, uh, not only on the wrestling community, but also just in the sports community and general public has, have accepted women's wrestling as being something that it's a good thing and something that, uh, provides great opportunities for, for young girls and women. Right. Um, and it, consistency has been an earmark of our women's program, and it starts going back to the early years before it was an Olympic sport, but it's really been cemented under the leadership of our national coach, Terry Steiner. Uh, he came in in 2002, um, and he was part of that 2003 women's team that New York City won seven medals out of seven weights wow. and tied Japan in, in Madison Square Garden really a great start for his involvement. And then he took us into that first Olympic games in Athens. And since then he's been the one constant, consistent standard bearer of developing these young women and, and turning this program into more than just a group of athletes, but into a national women's program that is far reaching. It goes all the way up to the Olympic level, but you know, starts with the kids in the elementary schools and right. middle schools, you know, all the way up. I, I, I said this earlier. I, I wish uh, NCAA would um, stop slow rolling this uh, drive to make and recognize women's wrestling uh, for its member institutions. I believe that they are slow rolling. I'm not sure why, but um, it, <laughs> it time has come. Our women deserve yeah. that. I mean... Scott, we do have emerging sports status. Uh, to get an official championship, we have to have 40 teams on the NCAA side. We've crossed that 40-team barrier this year. Uh, that We kind of got held up a year because of COVID. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were lucky to actually have a season this year, uh, but we did finish it off with the uh, uh, national championship for NCAA women. You know, and obviously the NAIA has already been a leader in developing college opportunities. Exactly. So I, I think you should expect to see it's going to take a year to get it through all the committees and everything, but we'll have an official championship. But the big hurdle for women's college wrestling will be getting Division One programs. We're already very strong at Division Two and Division Three. Uh, we have two Division One programs right now, Presbyterian and Sacred Heart now is, is getting their first division one team going this year. Um, but we've got to get power five programs in, in women's college wrestling. That's right. You know, the, the, the schools that are dominating in football and basketball and, and those other sports for men, uh, we need those schools to step up and add women's wrestling. And hopefully in some cases, if they don't have men's wrestling to add it as well, and it's going to take some time. And I think that the progress at the college level is something that we can be very, very proud of, mm -hmm. but we know there's more there, right? You, you want to see an Oklahoma state uh, versus Iowa matchup in women's wrestling. I mean, <laughs> that would be something which is very possible in the next decade. And oh. we have to continue to work towards that. 
uh, while we're developing and supporting the programs we have right now. I think once the University of Iowa does uh, raise all the funds it needs to build, and they're very close, to build a freestanding facility, I think that's probably when we'll see a women's team being fielded by the University of Iowa. They understand the economics of it all and uh, the benefits that are provided by the sport. So I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. I haven't been able to get anybody to make a commitment to me, but i got to believe it's part of the conversation they're having daily with the athletic director and uh, those that are supporting. Got one guy that's donated over $4 bucks so far for the effort of a freestanding facility. It's not always the story, but we're looking at um, the regional training centers. And when Bender was on the program, Rich Bender, uh, we talked a little bit about my feelings initially about the regional training centers. I thought it would be uh, deleterious, um, not disastrous, but perhaps, you know, the road would be a little more bumpy. Uh, that, you know, we have to uh, admit that this sport is for everybody and then be able to stand behind it and be able to stand behind that comment. You know, when, when Gable says after wrestling, everything else in life is easy. And I truly believe that. And we're seeing the evidence in the performance of our, uh, especially our young women right now that are doing some really good things, uh, not just here in this country, but around the world. And I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to tell that story. Gary, I, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, ask you to give us uh, a, a bit of backstory on, on why you're in the Lehigh Valley today. today. Yeah, and uh, the, tomorrow is the life celebration for Greg Strobel, who passed away. Uh, we're actually we're on our way to the U.S. Uh, Open, uh, one of the first of the big events, Uh during COVID and, and Greg, who uh, is on the board of directors and executive committee, USA wrestling for so long, I uh, used to be one of the uh, employees at USA wrestling. Right. I worked with Greg at my first Olympics in 88. I passed away at that time, right? It was a shocker mm-hmm. to everyone. He was a consistent leader in our sport, made a huge difference. And his family uh, wanted to wait a little bit to do their celebration of his life. Uh, we lost Prior to him, within the same year, is his lovely wife, Donna, who's a dear friend of mine as well. So um, tomorrow uh, at the Packer Memorial Chapel and uh, at the campus at Lehigh, where he was a great coach, uh, will be a, a service for Greg. My wife, Pat, and I are out here. We're actually staying with our family in New Jersey, going to drive over the border into Pennsylvania tomorrow for that. And uh you know, there'll be a ton of wrestling celebrities there and a ton of people that may just choose to watch uh, the service on the stream. Uh, the family's going to have this streamed for the world to enjoy uh, just to be able to share the legacy of Greg Strobel. Uh, uh, my heart still hurts that he's not with us right now, but um, certainly he impacted so many people in the sport of wrestling, including myself. I uh, was a friend and a peer of mine, so uh, definitely a mentor for me. Um, when he passed, uh, I couldn't help but write about some of the things Greg meant to me. Uh, I do remember him at my first Olympic Games in Seoul, Korea, standing on top of a mountain with me, looking over the city and just saying, hey, you know, soak this in and live this. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than this. And, it, and I thought of Greg quite a bit in Tokyo. Um, it was a tough Olympics for us because of the, you know, the COVID rules and the lack of fans and 
and just the grind of having to do this Olympic Games. But, you know, the spirit that Greg brought to his job uh, at USA Wrestling. And then uh, he was obviously a coach with Foxcatcher and developed a lot of great champions there before making his Lehigh program one of the best in the country when he was there. Uh, member of USA Wrestling's leadership his entire life. Um, you know, I, I, he was kind of the driving force as part of my, uh, you know, participation in the Tokyo Games. I thought of Greg quite a bit. Yeah. And so, you know, now I have a chance to go over to uh, uh, his backyard, you know, where he and Donna lived for so many years and, and, and just uh, in a humble way uh, celebrate and, and thank him and his family for what he meant to us. When I visited um, Lehigh, I uh, remember Greg and Donna invited me over for dinner, and we had uh, in really good conversations. He was uh, a tremendous fisherman and uh, just loved life. I mean, he was wearing his life on his sleeve every minute of the day and so proud of his athletes. Very difficult school to get into, even harder to stay. But uh, he made it very uh, easy for his athletes to enjoy their commitment to that university and, uh, and to the sport for that matter. But yeah, uh, now Greg, Greg was a great coach and a great man. And, and yeah, yeah. When you talk with Greg, he, I mean, he was about, I guess he, he'd be the definition of a Renaissance man because yeah. he could, he could talk wrestling all day long. I mean, hell he changed wrestling history, right. Right. Uh, with all the things that he did, but he'd rather talk about what other things in life are important, not only to himself, but to others. And, you know, when you when you talk to Greg, the conversation could go just about anywhere, <laughs> and um, it often did. <laughs> you, yeah, no, you didn't. You can't predict him. You know some of his passions, right? I mean, the, the, the day he passed away, he was going to go fishing uh, before he headed out to Iowa City for us uh, to get together at the at the national tournament. Um, and you know, that's just typical Greg, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you would see photos of him in the outdoors in all kinds of settings. And he kept himself in wonderful shape his whole life. Uh, he lived life with gusto and, and anyone who was a part of his life uh, knew that this was sincere. This was who the man was. I can't, and so I that, can't. that's what people will remember, not just the wrestling accolades, but the life, the life that he lived. The well lived, he lived life. Well, um, I, I, I think he told me, he had the opportunity to wrestle at Iowa State, and I took I looked at pictures of him back then. Okay, out of Oregon, I saw I saw these pictures. This the guy looked like Superman. I mean, he really <laughs> did. And yeah, yeah. I mean, he could wrestle. He was a two time NCAA champ. He was one of the greats at Oregon State. He uh, stayed home for college. He married his high school sweetheart and Donna oh. in Scappoose, Oregon. There's a great book on Greg that's been written that you know, uh, was written by some uh, of his friends that knew him uh, in in more than his wrestling context. And uh, if you haven't read it, look it up. There's definitely something that if it's still available, uh, you need to get a hold of it. And if it's not, you can borrow mine. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, I'll be yeah, right over. no, he was a wrestler, man. That, that guy... I mean, he didn't make an Olympic team or anything else. He wrestled a little bit of that, but he got really deeply into coaching. He was an assistant coach at Oregon State uh, under the great Dale Thomas. Oh wow! Uh, who, who was the you know the winningest college coach of his generation? I know Pat Pecora now has more wins, but um, unbelievably amazing 
uh, life story. And USA Wrestling was blessed to have him on their national staff uh, in the 80s up through uh, 1990 when he became a, a, a freestyle coach and then later a college coach. So. And, and when you say the early days of USA Wrestling, that's when wrestling and USA Wrestling really started to find its feet. In other words, uh, it seemed like you know the sport itself was so divided back then, and it was to a degree, but... Uh, it took guys like Greg Strobel. Everybody wanted to, you know, be behind Greg and his ideas because he was on track. Dude understood it and understood the politics of it as well. Yeah, I mean, Greg was a staff member when USA Wrestling became national governing body. There'd been a decade of of uh, court challenges between the AAU and the U.S. Wrestling Federation on who should lead the sport over, and uh, that change happened in 1983 and greg was a staff member for that 1984 olympic games in atlanta um uh, where the united states won uh, a boatload of medals Mm -hmm. Uh, we had 13 olympic medals in la and that was just a kind of a launching pad for usa wrestling as an organization but i mean greg didn't just work with the elite athletes he developed the youth programs and then it was pretty much an impact person on every level of wrestling and uh you know yeah sure he, i mean there if rich bender will tell you and you mentioned uh, somebody who will also be there tomorrow to honor greg um that there probably has been no person who's done more at every level of the sport and at the usa wrestling organization than greg strobel so um you know we're going there to honor him as a as a wrestling hero but we're also going there to to remember and, and to celebrate the human being that just touched a lot of lives. The um, We're talking with Gary Abbott, the director of communications for USA Wrestling, a friend to every writer and every broadcaster out there, period. And and we, we couldn't, <laughs> we are so lucky to have you. There's a passion you have, but it started as a wrestler, right? It started for your passion for the sport, started as a wrestler, and do I recall you went to Boston College? University. You got to get that one right, Scott. Boston, Boston now, if University. You've ever I'm been sorry. In, in Massachusetts, <laughs> you know the great rivalry between the BU Terriers and the BC Eagles, right? right? And right. I went to the better school, Boston University. <laughs> uh, I've got a lot of friends that went to BC that'll tell me that shut up. And then, you know. but back in the day there, obviously, BU doesn't have wrestling anymore, BC doesn't. Um, we uh, were able to have a great program at BU for many years. I wrestled under the Hall of Fame coach, Carl Adams. Big time. But, you know, I mean, I was hooked on wrestling in high school, and uh, that's a, a legacy of my high school coach, John Zaccoli, and my family, and a lot of my friends who just decided that they would wrestle year-round, and that was never really done back then. Um, and, you know, I decided to try to make a career out of it on the communication side and got blessed to get hired at USA Wrestling after we were uh, running a wrestling magazine for five years into the ground, uh, we had a great magazine, but it wasn't something that was successful on the business side. And I was able to get hired at the governing body and, you know, they still pay my salary every week. So <laughs> I'm going to go in and give my best uh, to the sport and to the people that are uh, involved in wrestling. You know, we're lucky to have your brother up against the clock. Top of the hour is waiting for uh, nobody. It's, it's, it's there. It's a heartbreak. <laughs> Appreciate the time, Gary. Your perspective is always refreshing, and I love it. Thank you for the job you do, and do so well. 
thank you to everyone and, and continue to have passion for wrestling, everyone. This sport will continue to give back to you. There you go. God bless you. All right, next week's show, we've got Sammy Barber. We're going to talk a little Air Force wrestling and Randy Couture on the rise of the Pro Fighters League. That's all next week. You're listening to USA Takedown only on 1350. This is ESPN. ESPN.